Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast, a podcast from the home of Scrum. In this podcast, we feature professional Scrum trainers and other Scrum practitioners sharing their stories and experiences to help learn from the experience of others. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Patricia Kong. I am happy to be your guest host today for the Scrum.org Community Podcast. I am back here today. We did a a webinar actually on Scrum.org about psychological safety and Scrum, and we the three of us participated. So I am here with Andy Hiles and Ravi Verma. Um, could you could you both just give a quick introduction today? Uh, yeah, sure. So my name is Andy Hiles. I'm a professional Scrum trainer with Scrum.org. Um, I realize this is my 20th year of doing software development stuff with people, um, uh, which is causing me to feel very old. <laughs> That's that's why we've been talking about your gray beard. <laughs> that's uh, hence the the white beard. <laughs> uh, speaking of mustaches and beard, Ravi. Yes, my name is Ravi Verma. I'm joining you from Dallas, Texas. Unfortunately, this is my 25th year. So, Andy, <laughs> on the topic you of win. psychological safety, thank you for making me feel unsafe and old in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and, well, uh, yeah. and, that's- uh, Oh, go yeah, ahead. And, and the the fruit of the tree of my follies and mistakes is the evergreen and it is the gift that keeps on giving. So uh, 25 years of making mistakes and no signs of slowing down. Sure. Excellent. And uh, it's a gift for me to, to be on the ride with you guys. So let's see if we can um, maybe increase that, that, that psychological safety as we dive <laughs> into the discussion. So the webinar was really... Um, was really popular and had had um, a lot of questions that I, I was hoping we could get just touch upon some of the different stories from from your experiences and and expound on what you've been thinking about and what you've experienced since that time. So I think the first thing that we should do is, you know, we're going to talk about how this exists, maybe in an organization at the team level, at the management level, and how all these things connect. But uh, I guess for a baseline, Andy, you're doing research on this. So so can you break down quickly for us what psychological safety is? I know you recently wrote a blog, cited yeah. Amy Edmondson and some of her work around safe space for psychological safety. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's the ability for an organization to cope with um, candid feedback is probably one really good way of putting it, that people within an organization feel uh, free enough to be able to provide critical feedback on the progress of whatever it is they are building. And it, and I think this is kind of where the some of the misconceptions come because it talks about psychological safety. People get kind of this feeling that it's a a warm comfort blanket that wraps around all kind of behaviors that happen. And really what we're talking about is it is just candid feedback, the ability to be candid and open with each other and provide that feedback without fear of getting in trouble or retribution or being cast as an outsider or being held, you know, to some disciplinary action by the kind of the management team or, you know, whoever your peers, you know, what, what it's, you know, it's, it's definitely not, um, what some people would con- conceive a almost safe space in a in a in a sense that kind of critical feedback is going to come and it's going to probably feel very personal and very harsh. 
So there is no it's psychological safety and it's bound within a team space, within a product development space. It doesn't really kind of go to create a trigger free environment. It's that it's that ability for us to sit around a table, you know, a virtual table as they are now and be able to just provide feedback on how each other are uh, building those products or, you know, how each other is kind of approaching those problems. Um, and I think that's kind of leads into where the the kind of the, the conception of what psychological safety was intended to describe and where people have kind of slightly misconceived its nature about what actually, you know, people should be getting out of it. Mm. I think of like when you were talking about that warm blanket like that support that's really the safe space that might be the back channel in slack where you're talking to a couple of colleagues um and just venting and, and knowing that that's going to be okay well it, it's kind of interesting because it it, it almost should <laughs> it, you know in some respect it should be that warm blanket it should be the ability for me to wear wear some armor and go into a you know or maybe you know a big fluffy jacket and go into a room and say I'm not really feeling this product or what we're doing towards this product or we're really not hitting our uh, our definition of done. We really need to kind of get on top of our quality here. Yeah, and, and the people within that room should say, do you know what? I, I understand. Or you know what? You're not, you're wrong. You know, I don't agree with you. It shouldn't be the rest of the group kind of tearing into you at that moment and saying, ah, you're wrong, you're, you know, you're stupid, or there's something about you personally, which is kind of leading you down this decision. So the, so the warm kind of comfort blanket should come from the support from your peers about the decisions that you're making, but it shouldn't lead to personal attacks in the same, same respect. Um, yeah. and, and that's where we kind of get on this imbalance with how do you go and create that level of uh respect throughout the team you know that i can come to you know let's say ravi and say ravi I, I noticed what you did and it wasn't great you know ravi be able to just kind of take that as a criticism of the thing we're building not ravi in in so much of the way he's he's behaved or acted <laughs> ravi ravi would be okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so, so andy from your experience as a coach, um, you know, with your own company, working with clients, what what's an example where you've seen some of that, some of some of those challenges around psychological safety, or, or places where it's just been destroyed, where it's existed and then it just went away? What are what are some things that we can share of what that would look like, where psychological safety is either deteriorating or doesn't exist? Yeah, and that's really, uh, I mean, um, I, I guess I would have spent a large proportion of my career feeling it not putting a label on it. And the kind of, the the thought I was having to this kind of question, which was actually more about psychological safety being incredibly hard to put in place because you need a, a strong bond within that team to form a level of inter-team um, cohesion, you know, almost, you know, to some degree, what some people would see as trust to be able to share something very personal, your feelings, your approach, your understanding to other members of that team. And that being quite hard to create that bond without impacting a level of culture. And this is kind of where, where I'm kind of going next with, with this kind of thinking is 
each team has it so you know at a team level we have microculture we have you know even between two people there's probably a kind of a bond a culture that forms within the team space as a culture you know i.e definition the way we you know things are done around here that leads to behaviors and certainly values and we talk about scrum values a lot and and so putting a level of interpersonal trust in place and the ability for us to be critical with each other is going to impact that culture because you might have people who are kind of adverse to that. That's going to be quite hard to create as a bond. The other thing I find quite interesting with this is how easy that would be to destroy. You could create, let's say you created the the perfect team. um, And I I think in the blog I wrote about the Pixar, um, they have that thing called the brain trust, which is super interesting to go and research about, um, which is super, is the the kind of the Pixar animators being uh, highly critical about the product they're building together, but taking action, moving forward and being respectful to one another. That's the culture they've built. All it would need is somebody in that room to take that thing super personally and that psychological safety perhaps to be broken right there. You know, things get escalated, heated, et cetera, you know, and it it could be quite a, yeah, quite an easy thing to go and break in that space. And certainly in my experience, having, having sat both as a, as a developer and as a leader in that concept, I've seen it from both sides, people joining teams, established culture within teams where the bond is really high. The criticality is quite high of each other in our output, yet a new person coming in, not fitting in with that culture can then derail it um, and certainly lead to a lot of conflict within the team and mistrust, et cetera, and bad behaviors. I think that's important to point out that it's not constant, which is what, what you're hitting on. That that new person or that outside person from the team I think pushes us to talk about really the rest of the organization, right? So you can have a team that that has a bond, used to a way of working, and they could be a high-performing team, like you said, but that boundary where it hits management and culture is another thing. And th- those were a lot of questions that we received from the webinar. What do you do when the leaders are affecting your psychological safety? Why don't they believe it? So Ravi, in your experience, and, and you've done a lot of You've produced a lot of content around, you know, agile leadership versus management, how to distinguish, what does it mean? How do you excel at your role? What do you think if you were talking to the leaders and managers or helping um, some of the other people to talk, to have that conversation and, and they don't really understand maybe what, what psychological safety is, or they just think, Hey, it's that soft stuff again. Why, why is it important? How, do, how does psychological safety affect a team's delivery or value in an organization? Yeah, so, you know, one thing that I'm trying to practice myself is when I find myself noticing a situation where I perceive that someone in management, and I'm intentionally not using the word leader, because not every manager is a leader and not every leader is a manager. So I'm intentionally using the word manager. So let's say it could be manager, director, VP, CEO. When I notice or when I perceive that someone in a management position in a company has just behaved in a way that destroyed psychological safety for the team and is now inhibiting self-management and the delivery of sustainable measurable value, I used to immediately react and what, what I noticed was I became an actor in something known as the Cartman drama triangle. 
and I wrote a blog on this, by the way. So the Cartman drama triangle is a three uh, is a play with three roles. There's a persecutor, there is a victim, and there's a rescuer. So I noticed a very unhelpful way of being in myself, which was the moment I felt psychological safety is compromised, that's a deep value of mine, just got violated, and I start looking at that situation through these three lenses. Oh, the agile team is the victim, management is the persecutor. Aha, let me ride in as a rescuer. Uh, over time, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pause and be curious and see what the heck is going on inside of me because self-awareness leads to self-management. And I discovered that I started feeling unsafe. And I started wondering, why am I feeling unsafe? Because if the coach is feeling unsafe, then that might narrow the set of options that the coach can select from. Then I realized, oh crap, maybe something happened to me when I was a child. This is reminding me of that situation. So I might be overcompensating in response to something that happened to me as a child, which I didn't want to happen, right? So first, realizing that I am not feeling safe and then working with my coaches and figuring out how can I restore safety for myself? Once I restore safety for myself and I'm no longer feeling threatened by that person in management, then I started using the stance of curiosity and started exploring. Okay, there's a human being here. And what might be very counterintuitive is sometimes the most powerful person in the company is the most terrified person in the company. Power does not equate to psychological safety. And what I realized as I was speaking to some of these people in intimate one-on-one -on -one coaching conversations, whether it's a director, VP, or CEO, I discovered that there could be a very frightened child in there. And when that person is destroying psychological safety for the team, it's possible that something happened that destroyed psychological safety for them. And now what happens is, we have three sets of people who are all feeling psychologically unsafe, who want to do the right thing, but they got trapped or entangled or enmeshed in a pattern of being that is not serving anyone. They're dying to get out of it. They just don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and this is what leads to that kind of, that what people would call a toxic culture within an organization led, you know, driven by the top fear of things going wrong, you know, that kind of whole lack of safety through critical feedback, then driving that down through the teams. And it's kind of, kind of leading in being aware of that culture impact of the kind of being able to have, you know, critical feedback and also opening up is it's just so important in this kind of dialogue um, and for kind of scrum masters and, and coaches to be aware of. It's, it's, it's interesting about all the things that have to unveil, right? So if we're talking about a culture where people, it's becoming toxic, that notion of power, you didn't get there, you, you know, through failure and you regress into that mindset of control and all those things. But there could be, I think, on the opposite side, looking at it where you're talking about, there's a leader who says, you know, hey, let's do this. There's this culture. Let's experiment all those things. Tell us how you failed, you know, share all that. And you may have people on the team who aren't ready for that. And that's another way to think about that safety, uh, psychological safety. But um, I want to thank you both for, for sharing those words. I am wondering, how do you encourage this? What would, what would, you, what would you guys suggest um, to other people who are going through this now and all these different <laughs> these different dimensions you just mentioned. Andy, what would you do to encourage a safe space, whether that's, you know, within yourself maybe or uh, with your teammates um, and with the other people that you work with? 
Yeah, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow a little bit from Ravi here, which is you know if you want to start at your safe, which is you know how how safe do I feel at the moment with this team? You know, can I be myself? Can I open up? Can I provide that critical level of feedback? Can I share something of myself with this team? Am I doing enough of that? Um, then you know if you're a scrum master for teams, or maybe you're a product owner, or maybe you're just part of the team. Um, uh, looking at you know our best opportunity to invite all of this stuff is starting at the retrospective and and starting to think about what could we do better to open up as a team looking at our behaviors i even going down to could we could we create a description somehow of our culture how would you describe the culture within the team great retrospective starter right because if if nobody answers you've got a, you've got a bit <laughs> something's going on right you know or, or if if people are brave enough to open up and say great or terrible there's something to start there um, um sorry well, let, me, let me let me pull on that so Ravi you know Andy's talking about your great ideas starting at the retrospective having that having that retrospection and that reflection together but what do you do when you feel like you are pulling teeth and nobody wants to talk, what would be your suggestions there? Uh, one suggestion could be, I learned this in Coactive, my Coactive coaching, they call it AWGO, articulate what's going on, which is to say, just say what you notice. I'm noticing that we are exploring this question, but nobody's speaking up. What are you noticing? That's one technique. The second technique is a fellow scrum doctor trainer and a mentor of mine, Dr. Charles Suschek. He says, he said to me one time, Ravi, uh, when you ask a question in a training context, but it or a webinar, can you please count slowly till 25? Because it's possible that the introverts are thinking, but because I, the trainer, felt uncomfortable with silence, I got anxious, I felt unsafe. So I filled up the silence with noise, right? So in Ecoactive, we say, why am I talking? So I think this is what I would say. Number one, articulate what's going on. Ask a question, deal with your anxiety, be quiet, see if you can count till 25 seconds. There's a point at which the discomfort of silence is more than the discomfort of speaking. Someone will speak. And when the first person speaks, others might speak. And you might be very pleasantly surprised at what emerges. Well, on that note, we're going to give you all um, more than 25 seconds to reflect on some of the things that that um, Andy and Ravi have shared here. Uh, thank you both. Thank you for, for speaking today and also in that webinar. Um, so for those people interested, there was a webinar that we did on psychological safety, and there were a lot of great tips and questions there. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and talk to you next time. Thank Scrum you. Up. Cheers.